this is going to be more than a like a one like a quick thing like it could have been if inflation was going to get squashed here prices maybe they move down from like july to july but by july 2023 things are we'll call it back to normal like that doesn't seem to be the case here this is going to be a longer uh a longer difficult environment i'm drew brenneman and this is the rise and invest podcast I bought my first two properties as a 19-year-old with my own money that I earned from an online business I started in high school. I've now grown my portfolio from that first duplex to hundreds of millions of dollars of investment property. My goal with this show is to give you the resource I wanted when I first started out. Subscribe to our podcast where I break down real-life stories, tactics, strategies, and current market information you need to be a successful investor. This is the Rise and Invest podcast. I'm Drew Brenneman. And this episode's going to be about the state of the market. Shooting this the first week of October 2022, and a lot's changed in the real estate market the last six months. So last week I was at a real estate conference uh, for UW-Madison. They have uh, actually the number one uh, biggest alumni group for that whole college is the Real Estate Alumni Association. And, and every year they have a conference in September. They switch off between Chicago and Madison. Uh, got off easy this year. Uh, with it being in Chicago, uh, and then also was at another event earlier in the week. So I have a lot of a lot of market intel. Uh, I haven't really shared much with uh, the, the podcast listeners here on what's been going on, let's say, day to day in the real estate market. It's been more of like a general podcast about how things work um, and not like any sort of market overview of what's going on. So I want to get on here and, and shoot one of those. Um, and so I guess before I dive into, um, if you haven't haven't heard, we rebranded as Brenneman Capital. So check out our new website, Brenneman.com, B as in boy, R-E-N-E-M-A-N.com. Um, and so same team, same strategy, same everything, just a new name. So check it out. Uh, same, same blog on there, same downloads. Um, so with that out of the way, um, I've everyone's you know using terms like the market's shifting or uh it's becoming more balanced or someone recently told me uh it's a good market to be a buyer and a seller like that's that's all bs so the the market's down um it's not down just because of interest rates it's it's down for a combination of factors you have um you have high and you have high inflation that we we need to beat. You have the a looming or a recession that we're already in. Um, it depends on how you want to define it, but uh, in terms of a recession, you have the high rates and you have uh, the growth growth slowing. And honestly, for value, is probably the, the biggest piece of that, in my opinion, is is the growth uh, slowing. It's meaning, let's say a lot of these deals people are buying, they're assuming, okay, my rents are you know, a hundred dollars and then they're going to grow three or four or 5% uh, every year. You know, I have buddies that work at these institutional uh, real estate shops Let's say they buy industrial. And for the last 10 years, let's say um, in the Inland Empire, rents have gone up like 10% a year, like in the market, let's say they cover. I was just talking to one of my buddies that covers that. If you start taking that growth out of that market, you're not going to pay anywhere close to the same price even if interest rates are the same. So um, things are a lot different, not just because of rates, but because of the growth coming out of the market. Because let's say you're assuming uh, your $100 rents are going to go uh, to 103 
then 106 something, you know, just 3% growth. If you say, you know what, why don't they stay flat for two years while we fight inflation and rates go up and we have a recession, your deal looks a lot different value-wise. So you're not going to pay the same value today. Then throw on top of that, well, if interest rates are higher, I should have an even more conservative valuation. So uh, values are definitely down. Uh, it's a time like this where you, you need to have a steady hand on your deals. Um, you know, I think back to 2000. Seven and 2009 and 10 for me. And I had bought a deal at what I mean, really would be the peak of the market for Madison, Wisconsin, where I bought it. It was uh, March 15th, 2007 is when I bought it. And in 2009 or 2010, I don't remember the exact year, I wanted to, was thinking about selling it. I had moved to Minnesota and then to Illinois, and it, I was still managing it myself remotely, which was a, uh, a colossal pain. I was getting phone calls with the, the building caught on fire once. Uh, I guess that was later than that, but just there was constant headaches, you know, being a property manager, especially being out of town. And when I got my broker price opinion on it, I base I did well with the deal in terms of like I raised the value before the market uh, dropped, or my value increase was sort of just wiped out by. Um, the market dropping. So I would have been able to sell it and basically pay off the loan and pay the broker and walk out of there with no money. Um, so I, I thought, well, why would I ever do that? You know, this is uh, real estate's a long-term investment. This property still cash flows. Um, I had a, you know, I wanted to come up with a plan. I had a five-year arm on that loan. So I, I knew my rate was going to change in 2012, which I was very worried about. Uh, so I was thinking about selling um, long story short, fast forward to 2017, I held the deal. I, I reinvested in the property. I improved it. Eventually changed out all the appliances and just did, uh, quite a bit at the property. All the bedrooms were carpeted, switched out to vinyl, painted better colors, just did a ton of things. But I sold the property that I bought for 670,000 in 2007 for 1.22 million in 2017. So I just wanted to share that story with you to say like things are down and we'll get into how much and what's going on but where now is when you want to have a steady hand you don't want to be panic selling uh you need to be um if you're going to own something for a year or two or that was your horizon like i'm going to buy this thing then we're going to do whatever to it and we're going to sell it in a year that's out the window now you're this is you need to shift to a longer term hold and hopefully you have a fixed rate loan on it uh, even the deals that we bought this spring, all of them except for one, we we did at three and a half percent fixed for five years. So those now, if we were thinking we're doing those for a three-year hold or shorter, that was, those all turned into five-year holds now. We need to ride this out, get to the other side of it, and we're paying below market interest while we wait. So I had emailed our investors you know, about a month ago saying the market's down anywhere between zero and 20%, depending on the product type and the quality of the property. You know, after talking to more people at the conference and then also just with the most recent run-up in rates. So just to refresh, we're shooting this the first week of October, 2022, with rates running up uh, at the middle and end of September because of the, um, the inflation number not coming down that's that's going to make rates be higher longer which is not is not helpful to property value so there could be another leg down from from here so 
Um, I would say I would now after, you know, with that happening, I'd revise it and say, I think really all properties are down five to call it 25%. And then for some product types that are really out of favor, office, hotels, some types of retail, I mean, those deals aren't even trading. So we don't even really know the price. So I, at least for the stuff that has traded hands, uh, that's where things are coming in, you know, say five to 25% down, uh, down in value. And again, that's not just because interest rates went up. That's the growth is coming out of the market. There's a looming recession. Like this is not, um, it's not just one thing. Like in 2018, rates went up slowly throughout that year from in the threes to in the fives. The values did not fall at all in 2018. They went up. It was a slow, steady increase in rates while, uh, while still rent and other things were, were increasing steadily. So it was values were supported. Values still went up that year, even though interest rates went up. But interest rates went up so fast this year. Uh, it was the fastest rate of change ever for treasuries. And everyone always talks about treasuries. Uh, because that's what the long-term loans are priced off of. If that's never been explained, um, you know, a lot of lenders will say you want to do a 10-year fixed loan. They'll even quote your loan as a certain percent over the 10-year treasury. So they might say it's a uh, we we do it's a 10-year treasury plus 200 bips. So that just means 10-year treasury plus two percent. So when the treasury the 10-year treasury was, you know, in the around two that you do your math that's a four percent interest loan uh well now the 10-year treasury is at four in your four plus two now it's a six percent loan so uh and on top of that you know banks they have a lot of pressure on them um and other lenders because their customers are moving deposits out to put into treasuries because they're paying a, a good return now to your treasuries four percent um so now the banks, they want to increase their spreads because they have less money and they need to make more money off what they have to lend. So your, you know, 10 year loan, that might be a 10 year treasury plus 200 that that turned into a 10 year treasury plus more than 200 and the 10 year treasury basically doubled. So, um, I don't have the rates in front of me, so I don't, I, um, but that's roughly what had, uh, that happened and what, why we're talking about treasuries all the time. If you listen to other podcasts or people in real estate, it's cause that's sort of the underlying thing that's driving uh, the long-term borrowing rates. And that's the 10 year treasury really not much that's quoted off like a two year treasury or other stuff. So I guess kind of running through what I learned, let's say talking to folks at the real estate conference and just others in the market. Um, I probably spoke to last week, like at least the, 50 to 100 people. I mean, because I, I had another event where our law firm had a, a baseball game outing where there's a lot of sponsors and owners, investors there. And then also this real estate conference. So office, there's there's no bids on deals. So they don't really know the price. That uh, Those deals are pretty much not sellable now. Um, they already were tough where the whole work from home thing, but now especially things are... Um, you know, are, are totally like a, a mystery there and what the price change is going to be. There's been no, uh, and there's been really no big deals happen either. You know, that's another thing, no matter what product type, there haven't been any big, uh, big deal sell in office, retail, industrial, multifamily, no, nothing that sizable has traded hands. So, uh, a lot of folks that let's say if they work at an institutional shop and they do billion dollar type deals they would say we don't know what the prices are because there hasn't been any anything like in our price range change but in terms of the private buyer side what i've 
saw and heard others talking about, like I do have that info. And one of the folks that I, one of the buddies at the conference, he covers industrial in California and where he buys the cap rates have changed from three and a half to four and a half. If you're not familiar with the cap rate, that type of change, that's a 22% drop in value. Uh, another industrial investor that I know covers the Midwest, their cap rates are higher. So that means there'll be more cash flow, uh, more current yield. Um, so then that those there that was pricing in less growth if it's a higher cap rate, as that's why because um, that would if it generates more cash flow, that's the investors looking to that for their return, not so much just growth and price appreciation or the future. And that he he thought the value really hadn't changed much. So he was still uh, taking this deal to market and thought he would get basically the same price. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, you know, you could kind of say the same thing almost for uh, Chicago apartments. Like those haven't gone up that much um, the last, call it five years. So then there's less, you know, there's no like bubble forming, you know, in Chicago apartments because they didn't, they didn't go up that much. So there's not as much room to fall. So, um, you know, that, and I'd say one more industrial data point, uh, developer that I know they had built a built a suit for an industrial deal for a fortune 50 company, basically, um, trying to keep this somewhat anonymous, you know, in the Midwest and at the start of the year, brokers were telling them that's going to sell at a four cap, maybe a, a high three cap, 4.0 cap, let's say used for your underwriting. And now the broker's telling them that would be a five and a half cap if we have any buyers at all for that. And that would be a 27% drop in value. So now on the multifamily side, talk to a few folks where they cover the whole Midwest and they're saying values are down 10 to 15% everywhere. And then Chicago, like I was saying, I haven't heard that big a drop. Most people you talk to, they think the values are basically the same. Um, and then what's becoming really popular are these loan assumption deals. So that's, um, not just in Chicago, actually. So just to back up, one one move you can make if you want to think, okay, what can I buy? What's the strategy here? Um, I guess this is you know a, a big tip on what you could buy. There are a lot of commercial loans are assumable uh, to the next buyer. So interest rates went up, but if someone let's say financed the property in 2021, they might have like a three percent interest rate, and they if they still want to get out of that or sell then you can assume their loan and you'll have the 3% interest rate. So uh, keep that in mind. Look for assumption deals. We're, we're actively doing that now um, because any of those will be lower rates than what you get today and the loan's already in place. So it's, you know, you have less risk on like the lender not being there at the closing table because they're, they already made the loan. So uh, back to Chicago though, I mean, really it's, it's their, I don't know if there just haven't been enough trades or what, but it's uh, harder to say how much that's down. Seems like a little less than the rest of the Midwest, but it didn't go up as much as the rest. So uh, that would make some sense. Phoenix, the deals we were looking at, those were all three and a half to 4.0 caps uh, when we, um, you know, let's say it's the start of the year. And now uh, most things are trading around a four and a half cap that we've seen clear the market. Uh, a lot of people in Phoenix and other places, though, they've traded up in quality. So that's... Um, Another piece of advice to keep in mind, you know, when I, when I had started in, um, in this business, we would go on these webinars and they would, uh, be put on by the brokerage shops, you know, Marcus and Milchap or CBRE, what have you. And they'd give you a matrix and it would say like, okay, like a cap rate matrix, Chicago, downtown, 
class A and buildings are ranked, they're uh, given a, a, a rating, let's call it class A, class B, class C. A is the nicest, B is the next, C is the lowest end property. It has to do with the physical condition, the location, the tenant type, the tenant quality. But the cap rates were all different. So there'd be a matrix, there'd be, you know, nine different uh, cap rates on there. Class A, downtown Chicago would be the lowest. And then Class B, a little higher, downtown Chicago. Class C, a little higher. And for the last, like, five plus years, and I was always telling all the new guys about this here because it's so weird. Most of these deals are all the same cap rate everywhere. Like, you buy something in downtown Chicago or in the furthest out suburb, same cap rate. And same thing, new property versus old, same cap rate. So that was, I guess, fine for people to be buying those deals at the same prices when everything was hot and running up. But now is when it actually mattered matters what you bought. Like if you bought the nice downtown property or in the a, a nice property in an A location, you're going to do way better than the C property in a bad location. So that's going to really matter now. So trade up in quality, look for loan assumption deals. It's going to save all the tips to the end, but let's just give them out throughout this. But so then um, on the, on the Phoenix front, so that changed from a three and a half or four cap to a four and a half, uh, that would be a 12 to a 22% drop in value. And depending on what happens with, with growth, there could be more there in terms of drops uh, value wise where uh, Phoenix and really all the Sunbelt was pricing in a lot of growth. Um, and if things seem like they're good, like rents are just going to be flat or, or drop, like they're, you know, people are going to be looking for to make it on essentially current yield and treat it more like these, um, you know, they're, they're just be like, I would need to make money uh, a certain return day one. And we're not, we're not banking in any growth. That's going to change the prices more. So let's be on the lookout for that. See what happens with rents uh, as we get into the fourth quarter this year. Um, but on everything we've been seeing in Phoenix, I mean, rents have been, um, holding up nicely you know like i said the growth is coming out of the market so uh, things are just kind of more normal now and we're we're done with the days of rents going up 20 percent a year obviously we no one thought that would keep going but and i'm saying phoenix but really that's we're seeing that across the whole Sun Belt. you know another uh guy that i was hearing talking he has a deal tied up in austin in a pretty far out suburb and he's got that 12 percent below peak pricing and he he thinks that's a good valuation uh to jump in on uh so just another data point on you know being in that call it you know uh sort of five to 25 percent down range where at 12 percent he's a buyer a uh, 12 percent down so um you know that's that's what we have for i'd say values and you know again big piece of this is debt sort of uh, how much the debt markets moved since the spring, you know, the banks that were lending money at three or three and a half percent, they're five and a half to six and a half. Now, Freddie, Fannie, they were similar pricing to the banks, three to three and a half percent. Let's say for a 10 year fixed yield maintenance type loan. Now you're looking at 585 to six and a quarter. So 5.85% to 6.25%. Fannie and Freddie small balance. That's even higher, you know, generically, let's say six and a half percent is what they're quoting. And this is all live info from today. Let's reach out to the debt guys before uh, getting this going. And I mean, they were all quoting in the threes before. And it's even worse with debt funds. Debt funds, what those, that's a, a lender where what they do, they raise money uh, not to acquire properties, but to lend on properties. So they make loans on properties. Uh, 
you rarely is a fixed rate. You normally it's a variable interest. So floating rate is the other term for that. What they do, they they pool the money together. They they make a loan. Usually, then they're actually borrowing against the fund's assets on another line of credit, fund the loan, and then they sell most of the loan. They keep the riskiest piece for themselves. So ideally, they sell it. They make a spread. Uh, the less risky piece sells at a lower interest rate than the whole loan, so they make a spread on that or sell it at a premium. I don't have a debt fund. I don't know how it exactly works, but they make money on the sale, and then they keep the riskiest piece for themselves. They're able to um, pull out like a high single-digit return doing that. Um, but a lot of lenders um, you know, that the debt funds were using, they're pulling back. I'll get to that in a second, but you know, debt funds, those, they were quoting loans that was, that were so for plus 350, so for plus 300. And now sulfur was basically zero. And now sulfur is on its way from zero up to, you know, four or five percent. And, uh, they've also widened their spreads because they're, they're worried about uh, how much money they can put out. So like deals today, you'd be getting quoted sulfur plus 400, um, in that basis point. So SOFR plus 4%. And right now SOFR is in the twos and going up. So you'd be starting out in the sixes, looking at this rate going from to seven and probably 8%. So uh, debt funds are, are even, even worse than the fixed rate stuff right now. Um, so I guess kind of lastly, something I picked up on in the conference that I hadn't heard before, but someone I know works at a, one of the largest banks, he was talking about this Fed stress test, this hypothetical stress test all the biggest banks just went through. Um, not something that's going to be done on smaller regional banks. So if you're not lending from the biggest banks out there, this isn't going to directly impact you per se, but it it does have like down the line effects where the, the lender that gives a $500 million line of credit to a debt fund, that's not your local bank. That's the the big banks that are going through the stress test and they're, they're having to pull back because they all, they all need to pass this test. Otherwise they can't buy back stock and do other things uh, that they, 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 they must do in their opinion. So everyone must pass all these banks. They need to pass the test and the way the tests are being ran. The real estate loans were penalized the most out of all the loan types. It sounds like. So the particular bank, this guy works at they're, not making any new real estate loans. They already have enough uh, construction loans and other things that will require more funding that they they already are looking going. We're, our real estate balances are still going up and we, we wish they were going down so we could pass this test uh, even with more more uh, margin of error, um, get do better on the test and pass it with more room. So... Uh, and also another weird thing is he's saying they're they're getting no loan payoffs. Like no one's refinancing now because you're just putting a worse loan on it. And then there's not a lot of sales. So um, there's very few payoffs. So they're they're not able to, uh, you know, if they want to keep their balance the same, probably normally you get a certain amount of payoffs and then you can make a predictable amount of loans. They're not they're not getting the payoffs. So now they're just they're really a pulled back. Um, trying to keep that anonymous, I guess, to not be putting one bank out there but um yeah you know i found that very interesting and that's you know kind of just continue to have down the line uh impacts if that's going to make debt funds pull back and other big buyers or big transactions can't happen without those uh huge lenders there so 
And then lastly, this wasn't really much of a talking point at the conference, but just kind of obvious to me looking at this every day. But um, so the Fed is raising rates to fight inflation. And it looked like with a lot of people, including myself, the year over year inflation numbers were going to finally start going down um, in December of this year. So December 2021 to December 2020, that inflation number uh, year over year, December to December, was 7.04%. And that's the prior months were all in the fives and sixes. So we got a big December number. And then when we, you go and compare December 21 to what will be the December 2022 number, a lot of people were thinking, okay, that's going to be a much smaller increase. And then everyone's going to go, because you have a really high comp you're comparing it to, the next increase is going to be small. Even if inflation is still, this, even if prices are the same or going up, you, you start hitting really high comps once you get into December 2021 or the 2022 numbers. Um, and then the Fed and everyone's going to be able to announce we beat inflation and we can start cutting rates now. Um, that's not happening. The inflation number is not budging. And, you know, we it's something we're keeping a keen eye on. And I forgot if it's August to July or September to August, but whatever the most recent inflation print was, it was up by quite a bit month over month. And that's why Treasury, the 10-year Treasury blew out from being at 3% in the threes to all the way to four. Um, you know, that's, uh, let me pull up the 10-year Treasury instead of just talking in like generalities here. You know, call it the start of September, the 10-year Treasury had pulled pulled back, actually bottomed at the end of July. Then it came in a bit in August and was all in the twos. And then this in big inflation number prints. And throughout September, it runs up to and breaks through. It hits four on September 26 or 3.99. Um and then it's just kind of staying up there. So that's not, um, you know, that a lot of people that were still in the market were predicting, okay, this higher rate environment, it might be for like a year, but including the guy who was working at that big bank, I was talking to their predictions and now it seems obvious to, uh, to me and others, like this isn't going to just be a one year thing. Now inflation is going to be a persistent problem. The fed's going to keep rates up. That's going to, um, be supportive of higher treasury yields. And uh, when there's a recession and a lot of uncertainty, people invest in treasuries. Um, so then that uh, that should push the yield down, you would think, but it's not happening. So um, this is going to be more than a like a one like a quick thing. Like it could have been if inflation was going to get squashed here, prices maybe they move down from like July to July, but by July 2023, things are we'll call it back to normal. Like that doesn't seem to be the case here. This is going to be a longer. Uh, a longer difficult environment. So I guess kind of takeaways, that's where the market's at for one, have a steady hand. Uh, you want to extend your hold periods. If you're going to hold a deal for one, two, three years, that's turned into a five or seven year hold now um, where you will got to get to the other side of this and uh, and pick up where, where we left off. Let, let rates settle down some, the growth pick back up and let the building values recover. So if you are buying uh, then now's when the, the deals are there, you know, it's things happen quickly where let's say this is going to be a one year pullback in prices. 
we're already like four or five months into it. So if you think it's a one year pullback, like it's, uh, it's, you know, it's already whatever a third over. So, um, you know, just keep that in mind as a buyer, where if you have to, if someone has to sell today, they're, they're selling at a discount, whether there's going to be better deals to come, you know, no one has a crystal ball and I'm not, this isn't the predictions podcast necessarily, but it seems like, um, now with this most recent spike up in rates, like now would be the time to start dipping your toe in. If you have been, if you put something under contract, like within the last two months, you, you definitely jumped into early in retrospect, obviously, um, a lot of people, including myself, didn't think the, uh, inflation number was going to continue to be this high in the fed, even more committed to raising rates and, uh, squashing inflation. So, um, and then I think lastly, I already mentioned this earlier, but you know, you want to trade up in quality. So if you are buying, you know, you got to focus on buying better assets where if things get worse, those deals will hold up better. And then at once things go back to, to normal, not only are you better in worse times, but in better times, you, you're still selling at a, usually like a lower cap rate, a better value because you bought something of quality. So trade up in quality, extend the whole periods and then be ready to buy when you think the we're at a point where it works for you. So thanks for joining us. You know, everybody wish this was a, maybe a better update, but just the reality, I uh, hadn't really talked about this much on the podcast. I had sent something out to our investors about what's going on, but you know, you hear a lot of people where they are saying the market's shifting or it's becoming more balanced. Like it's just, it's a, it's, it's prices are down. It's a, it's a buyer's market. Um, and then whether or not now is the time to jump in or not, that's going to be based on uh, deal by deal, location by location. Um, again, better quality properties recover quicker. So that's why I'm saying trade up in quality. So if you buy something now, you will you are likely closer to that bottom and closer to it recovering than like a, than a very poor asset. So take care, everybody. Let's uh, we'll, we'll see you on the next one. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us on the Rise and Invest podcast. Please be sure to hit that subscribe button on YouTube or wherever you enjoy your podcast. If you'd like to dive even deeper into real estate investing, check out our company's website, riseinvest.com, where we have numerous free resources and information that can help both active and passive real estate investors. Our 100 plus page passive investing guidebook, our trends report, and our blog are all available on our website. If you are an accredited investor, you can get started today as a passive investor in our multifamily investment opportunities by hitting the Invest Now button on our website. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of Drew Brenneman and guests as of the date of recording and do not purport to reflect the views or opinions of Rise Invest Holdings LLC and its subsidiaries. The views and opinions are provided for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon or deemed as investment or tax advice or an offer to buy or sell securities. And the speaker cannot be held responsible for any direct or incidental loss incurred by applying any of the information offered.